Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart and bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen, amen. Receive the blessing. We uh, last Sunday started a, a new series called The Bible Tells Me So. Uh, you, you probably remember the, uh, the wonderful old children's church Sunday school uh, song uh, that, uh, that says to us, Jesus loves me, uh, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's really a, a powerful song, a powerful a little statement packed full with, with a much of what we need to know. Um, so I'd, I'd like to continue that uh, this Sunday, uh, but with a Valentine's Day focus, uh, since it is actually today Valentine's Day. And as Joy and I did have a conversation about, man, has there been a Sunday that was? And, and we didn't really look to check, but we couldn't remember. I'm sure there probably was, uh, but, uh, but I can't uh, remember. But it is cool to have it. Uh, on uh, Sunday uh, and, uh, and to be together uh, on Valentine's Day. I, I think it is, uh, it, you know, I know, it's, I know it's gotten really, you know, commercialized and everything, and, and, and most guys don't like it, uh, but, <laughs> but, but I think it is an important uh, thing for us uh, to, uh, to remember relationship, uh, to, uh, to remember uh, love, uh, and, uh, and, and probably really needed at this point in time uh, in, uh, in, in our country. Uh, um, there just seems to be so much division uh, everywhere in, in the family, in the church, uh, everywhere uh, that you go. Um, nothing, and nothing brings us back together uh, like real, authentic, true uh, love. Um, I know that there are, you know, a lot of this you're going you're gonna to know, uh, but, but I think it's important for us to just, to just uh, remember uh, some of these things. Um, you know, Peter says that in, in 2 Peter 3. Uh, he, he says, this is my second letter I've written to you, and, and, and I, I just want to remind you of these things to stimulate you to wholesome uh, thinking. Like our, like our thinking can get, can get out of whack, and our thinking get, can get off, and it's good for us to to be reminded of things that we already know uh, to, get our, to get our thought life back to the healthy, wholesome place that it, that it needs to be. Uh, so, you know, because it's Valentine's Day, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it seems fitting to, to talk about relationships uh, a little bit. And relationships are so incredibly important uh, to each and every uh, one of us. Uh, actually, you know, I, I believe that that one of the indispensable things of abundant life uh, is healthy, uh, whole, uh, beautiful, de- desirable, life-giving relationships uh, that, uh, that we'll never experience abundant life uh, if, if we are not in relationship with others, if we're not in life-giving, uh, beautiful relationships that we desire with other 
with other people. That, you know, if we're isolated by ourselves and, and we spend our whole lives by ourselves, uh, living for ourselves, then, then we will miss out on the abundant life that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Part of, uh, part of our enjoying abundant life uh, is, 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 that, is having uh, beautiful, healthy, life-giving relationships. And, and as the people of God, uh, I, I believe that we're called to relationship, that there's a call of God on each and every one of our lives, uh, and, and, and it's a call to relationship, like we're called uh, to, to family relationships, and, and, uh, and, and we're called to, uh, to church family uh, relationships, uh, and, and we're even called to uh, relationship with the lost, to have relationships with the lost. Now, now I know all of these relationships are, are a little different and, and are at different levels and, and require some different things, but there's a call of God on our lives for relationship in all of those areas. And, and, and obviously, uh, there's a call of God on our lives to have uh, relationship uh, with God the three-in-one, with our Heavenly Father, uh, with, our, uh, with our Savior, uh, and with uh, the Holy uh, Spirit. And, uh, and, and because of the blood of Christ, uh, we uh, who were once far away have now been brought near uh, so that we uh, can have uh, relationship with the Father. And now because of the blood of Christ, I would say that, that we all can have you know, wonderful life-giving relationships in our family, in our, in our church family, and even uh, with uh, the lost. Now, uh, you know, as we think about relationships, it's, it's probably important to just remember uh, some things uh, that are that are so helpful and maybe even essential uh, to uh, healthy uh, whole life giving relationships like you know especially if you think about a marriage uh, relationships these these things are so important to uh, relationships but to relationships across the board and and you know, you know there are some relationships that are uh, that are that are deeper and and, and closer and and more intimate uh, than others like your family relationships and then your you know your church relationships have a, have a depth to them as well uh, you know what? You know, First Peter, First uh, Peter one, uh, isn't it twenty two? First Peter one twenty two, where he tells us that we are that we are to not just love one another, but we are to deeply love uh, one another. That that brothers and sisters in Christ, that there should be a depth of love uh, to our uh, relationships. So so you, you know that there's different areas of relationships and different levels but 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 as i think across the board there's a level of all of these things that i'm about to mention that are needed in all of our relationships but if it helps you uh, you can really think about marriage and 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 family relationships uh, you, you know one of them you know is probably I know these go without saying, but we 're just getting our thinking uh, in, in the right place right is communication if there's going to be a relationship there's got to be communication there, you know especially if it 's deep and intimate and, and and the deeper and more intimate, the more communication. Like if there's little communication, then there's probably not that close or, or deep of a relationship. And, and that's okay because with some, you're not going to have. You can't have deep, intimate, close relationships with everybody. Right? Jesus had, Jesus had the 12, but then he had the three that were, that were, 
there was just a difference there in their in their relationship and, and and but but for relationships all across the board uh, there is needed uh, communication you know especially uh, uh, you know especially when we think about our relationship with our heavenly father how can we have relationship there if there's not communication there? So, so we've got we've to make sure that communication, because it's so essential to healthy, life-giving relationship, is a part of our relationships, you know, especially when it comes to marriage and, and to family. You know, so, uh, you know, so just to step on everybody's toes a little bit here this morning, that's what preachers are supposed to do a little bit, right? We're supposed to step on people's toes every now and then. Let me tell you something that's not good for relationships that many people do that we need to, we need to stop doing it right now, and, and it's the silent treatment. We, we need to, don't do that. We need to not, uh, we need to not, uh, 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 wield the, the weapon of the silent treatment against our relationships, against our intimate relationships, especially when you get into like, like the marriage uh, relationships and, and, and family relationships and church family relationships. If communication is so essential, then the silent treatment is very, very destructive uh, for our relationships. So one of the things you've got to do is you've got to keep the lines of communication open. No matter how difficult that may be, you got to keep talking. You know, you know, don't ever throw the silent treatment on your husband. Don't ever throw the silent treatment on your wife. Don't ever, don't ever do that. We've got to continue to communicate. We've got to continue uh, to talk. Okay, that's the last time I'm stepping on anybody's toes this morning. No, probably not. How can you talk about relationships, right? Not step on anybody's anybody's toes. So, so, so really, that is just good, healthy life-giving advice that we, that we talk, that we communicate, we force ourselves to do it. Because as long as there's communication, there's a chance that we can figure things out and that we can work through our problems. The silent treatment isn't good uh, uh, for anybody. Now, I guess there might be some moments where maybe you're really fried up and you need a few minutes to, to gather your thoughts and calm yourself down. But you're not slapping the silent treatment on, on your wife or your husband. You're slapping it on yourself, right, for a few minutes so you can go gather yourself, get yourself back together, and then come and have a healthy conversation, you know, and not, and not rip each other's uh, faces off. I, I thought about that. Like, it crossed through my mind. Uh, the, uh, what is it, Zootopia? Is that the movie where, where the... Um, it's the rabbit in Zootopia, yeah, and then and then there's the uh, what is it a fox? Yeah, and 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 he and he's a like a con artist, and he's got this other little fox, and and the and and he and he kisses the fox because because it's a baby. You'd have to watch the movie, and the fox says to him after they're done conning the fox. You know, you think it's a baby, and then he pulls out this pacifier, and he's got this really deep voice, and he says to the other fox, he says, he says, if you kiss me again like that tomorrow, I'll bite your face off. Anyway, that crossed my mind. So anyway, that's just a bonus. Everybody out there, you know, uh, cartoon movies, um, it's good stuff. So anyway, praise the Lord. Forgive me for that. I, I got into it, and then I felt like I had to finish it. Right there, you know, so, <laughs> so uh, there we go. Um, so, so also essential uh, to, uh, to relationships, and you know this, but just think about this, is trust. Uh, trust is... 
is, is so essential to uh, our uh, relationships. You know, and, and the deeper the relationship, the more the trust. But for, but for relationships across the board, even with the, even with the lost, uh, there's got to be a measure of trust uh, that is there. But, but if, there's, you know, if, there's, if there's not trust in the marriage and not trust in the family, then that puts such a tension on that relationship that makes it so difficult and, and, and it's so easy for it to be unhealthy and for the enemy to come in and, and mess with that relationship. And the same thing goes on in the church. Many of church relationship problems and family relationship problems and family church family relationship problems come because there's a, there's a breakdown in trust. Trust is so important to uh, our uh, relationships. We've, uh, we've got to build trust into the relationship, and, and, and we need to make sure that we're trustworthy people. You, you ever wonder why God is so against lying? Because like, like, sometimes to us it seems like such a small thing. Why is, why is God so opposed to it? Why is he so vocal about it? Why is it so important for him, for there to be truth? Because essential, because he's, he's relational. And essential to relationships is trust. And if there's not truth, then there's not trust and relationships break down. I mean, I mean how could we ever have a relationship with our Heavenly Father if we couldn't trust him? And if he lied just every now and then, wouldn't that break down our trust? How would we know when, when, we, could, when we could take his word for what it is and, and when we couldn't? But because we know that he never, ever, ever lies, that it's always the truth, that he is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he would change his mind, that what he has spoken, he will perform, that what he has spoken, he will honor, that his word goes out from his mouth and it doesn't shift and change and deceive, that it accomplishes what he said it would accomplish. And because we know this about God, we can trust him. And because we trust him, there's a chance at deep, intimate, beautiful relationships. There's got to be trust in our relationships. Now, uh, uh, third, I guess another one that, that we should mention uh, is, is forgiveness. There's got to be forgiveness in relationships. You know, any of us who have been married for more than 10 minutes recognize uh, that forgiveness is essential. I don't know if you need it when you're dating because you're, I don't know, you're so blinded by the lights so blinded by, by love. You know, but as soon as you get married, for some reason, that just, that just gets gone. It falls off, right? And all of a sudden, you recognize, my goodness, this, this, this woman is human. She's flesh and blood, not you. It didn't happen with you, not us. No. No, that's, that's other people right there. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, you all know I'm kidding, right? Um, you... You realize that, that they're not perfect. And, and we should know that because we know that about ourselves, right? I mean, don't we know that, that we're not perfect? And, and so forgiveness is necessary. There, there's, there's no place that there's more hypocrisy than, than when it comes to forgiveness. We, we want what we, will, what we refuse to give, and, and we want from someone else what we don't even expect for ourselves. I, I always get a kick out of people who are like, I, I can't believe they lied to me. Well, why? 
like you never lie? Like this shocks you that someone lied to you because you always tell the truth? I mean, come on. You lie. Why would you expect not to be lied to? And, 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 and then they say something like, I just can't forgive them for, for that lie that they've done or for what they've done. I'm like, why? You've done the same thing. And you want to be forgiven. We've got we've to forgive as we have been forgiven. That's like almost scriptural. I think it might be in there somewhere. We've got to forgive as we've been forgiven. And we can't put hypocrisy in forgiveness. It's such a powerful story in John 8 where, where Jesus you know, says, let you who haven't sinned, somebody here who doesn't have any fault, if, if you're perfect, you pick up the stone and you throw it and stone this woman who has sinned. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody perfect? And everybody walked away because nobody was perfect. You remember the story Jesus writes in the sand? You know what I think he was doing? I think I've told you this before. I think, I think he looked in the crowd and he wrote down somebody's name and then their sin. Just spelled it out right there for them. And they looked at their name and they saw their sin and they were like, yep, that's me. And they dropped their stone and they, and they walked away. And then he looked at somebody else who was standing there with a rock and they're ready to throw it and he, and he scribbled out their name. And I'm, I'm speculating. This is, it doesn't actually say that, but he does say he wrote in the sand and then everybody dropped their stones and they walked away because they recognized that they are sinners as well. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Joy is married to a sinful man, uh, uh, broken and, and, and messes up. You know, I'm, I'm forgiven and I'm changed and I'm transformed, but every now and then I mess up and I need her to forgive me. And I need to forgive her and we've got to forgive one another even though we're blood-bought, spirit-filled saints of the living God, every now and then we're going to get an attitude, especially because we're so fragile, right? I mean, just, just not eating or getting enough sleep can mess up my mood and, 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 and lead me to not have as much control over my mouth as I normally would and say something stupid that offends somebody and, and, and for, for them to grab a hold of that and hold it against me forever and never forgive me destroys the relationship. Isn't it amazing how forgiveness just comes in and renews and rebuilds what was torn down and broken and destroyed? We, we, we've got to have forgiveness in relationships. I know that you know these things. It's just good, it's good to remember them. Now, uh, fourthly, I guess what I'd like to, to share about relationships that, that really should be first and, and really is probably all that is needed. Everything else falls under this and is, and is included in this. This is absolutely essential uh, to relationships, and, and it's love. There's, there's got to be love. And I think that within love, we find that, there is, that there's communication. And that within love, we find that there's trust. And that within love, we find that there is uh, forgiveness. That, that what is needed to, to rebuild and restore relationships and that what is needed for there to be life-giving, healthy relationships that we, that, that are the desires of our heart to be a part of is, is true, authentic, real love. 
And, and I would say that there is clearly from Scripture a call of God on our lives to love. That we are to, I mean, you could just go through, I could spend hours just going through Scripture and, 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 and telling you verses that talk to us about love. We already said, you know, 1 Peter 1 says that we are to dearly love one another. We know that John 13, Jesus says that this is the new commandment that I give you, to love one another. And we know that we are called of God to love our families, to, to love our husbands, to love our wives, to love our children. You know, read Ephesians 5. It, it, it tells, 5 and 6, it tells us, it tells wives, love your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Ephesians 6 says children, you know, children, love your mom and dad. Moms and dads, love your children. There's to be love in the family. And, and there's to be love in the church family. You know, Galatians 6 tells us that, that we're to do good. Whenever we have opportunity, especially to the family of believers. And Ephesians 5 tells us that we are, that we are to be imitators of God and that we, are to, that we are to dearly love one another and be devoted to one another. And we could just go on and on and on talking about the call of God on our lives to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and then we know we are to love the lost. We are to we are to uh, we are to uh, to not not love the world and the system of the world and, and the ways of the world, but we are to love the people of this world, and and we are to to strive and fight to 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 help them find Christ, to find life and freedom and salvation, that they might enter in to the love of God that we have all discovered and that we live in, and then and then it's so clearly from Scripture that we are called of God to love God. Isn't it what Jesus answered in, in, in Mark 12 when they asked what's the great commandment? He said, love God and love others. And oh, by the way, love yourself too. But not in some arrogant, prideful, uh, self-worship way, but, but to love who you are in Christ to love who he has created you to be, to, to, to love your giftings and, and talents and, and abilities, to love the family that he placed you in and the time that he set you in and, 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 and the, the plan and purpose that he has for you to love yourself, to love your neighbors, to love God. We're called to God to love. To call of God to, to real, authentic, true love. And, and I think if we... I think scripture says this, if we get this right, like if we embrace the call of God on our lives and we love our families and we love our church family and we love the lost and we love God, if we get that right, we get everything else right. That's what Galatians 5 says. It says there's, there's this command to love one another and if you do that, all the other things are covered. Everything else is fulfilled if we get love right. I think that this is one thing in, in the world that still unites us. Like whenever you talk about love, nobody's against it. Everybody's for it. We all believe in it. We all think it's necessary. We all think it's important. Nobody wants hate. Everybody wants love. The problem is, is that 
is that we have a deceptive enemy who has gotten in and twisted love and, and polluted it and made it crooked and messed up so that now the, the love that the world believes in isn't true love. It is, it is a false, twisted, uh, deceptive, uh, polluted by the enemy uh, kind of love. But, but that's not the love that we as the people of God should know and, and embrace and live by. We as, as the people of God who are called of God to relationship, called of God to love, we know real love. We know authentic love. We know true love. And you may ask, well, well, pastor, how do we know? How do we know that, that there's true love and that there's, that there's false love? How do we know what real authentic love looks like? Well, well we know because the Bible tells me so. Very, very clearly. Powerfully. It's not like secretive and, and, and hidden or you even got to dig for it. It's, it's just right there. The Bible tells us what love is and what love is not. And, and when, you, when you read it and you listen and you meditate and you let it into your heart, you know it's right. You know it's true. That when we read this, you will know that this is the way that you want to be loved. And that this is real, that it's authentic, that it is right and true. And that if we love this way, that it will bring people together in deep, authentic, beautiful, desirable, life-giving, life-changing relationships that will not end or separate or go away. So let's just read it. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm full of surprises on Valentine's Day, aren't I? I'm just... Love and 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13.1 If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. The call of God on our lives to, to more than prophecy, to more than mountain moving, to, to, to more than, than spiritual gifts. The call of God on our lives uh, to love. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. So he highlights for us the importance of love and, and the power of love. And we know how 1 Corinthians 13 ends, right? That now these three remain. Can you quote it? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now it's going to, Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, just, I just like having a thought of Paul writing this. I just like wonder what he's thinking as he, as he pins this and then steps back and looks at it. 
and is like, thank you, Lord. Just, just knowing that the Holy Spirit has just taken over and moved through him and wrote down for us True, authentic love. Knowing, knowing that in the time that Paul lived in, love was under attack to be, to be made to look like something that it's not. And, and then in the time that, that readers would read this 2,000 years ago, that love would have been twisted and, and marred and polluted to be something that it, that it isn't even at all. False love. And so, so the Holy Spirit, through Paul, tells us, what love is. And he says this, love is patient. Isn't that just so true? It's, it's, it, it, it's just... And by the way, when, when we read this, think also of Galatians 5 and the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And see if these, if these lists don't match up. And, 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 and let it just speak to us and stir within us that there's a call of God on our lives to love. Now, love, is, love is patient. You know, so when we're, when we're not patient, that's not loving. It's, it's like an important thing to, to say in our, in our fast-paced, hurry up, give it to me, get it now culture. Like I'm convicted right now. Because I got a hard time in the McDonald's fast food line. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not as patient as, as, as maybe I should be. Maybe not as loving. Love is, love is not only patient, but love is, love is kind. We all, we all know that, right? We all recognize when, when there's kindness, it's not like, oh my goodness, that person's so kind. They're just full of hate. I just, it's just... It just drives me crazy. No, when there's kindness, we recognize that that, that is beautiful and that is needed and that is wonderful and, and good for relationships. And love is not mean. Love doesn't bully. Love doesn't take advantage. Love is kind. It, it does not envy. Isn't that interesting? What a, what a culture we live in full of envy. That is, that is driving people to, to madness because they look around and want everything that everyone else has. Now, we, if, we, if we actually loved, there might not be an effective commercial on TV. They might actually have to tell us what the product does and what it's good for. Anybody watch these perfume commercials or cologne commercials? What in the world is that? Those things are the weirdest. I can't even wrap my mind. I'm like, that makes no sense. Why does that make me want to buy it? I have no idea. Anyway. Yeah. Love, love does not, it does not, it does not envy. It does not boast. We're, love is not what does Proverbs say? It says, let another praise you and not your own mouth. Love, love doesn't boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Love, love honors others. Love, love isn't envy. It doesn't, 
It doesn't boast. It's, it's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love is, love is not selfish. Right? Love is giving. Love is not easily angered. Right? If we're like easily angered or, or, or angry people, that is not, that's not coming out of love. What does that come out of? That, that, comes out of, that comes out of selfishness. That's mostly where anger comes from, right? It's I want it and I'm not getting it. It's why I, when I pull up into the fast food McDonald's lane that I get angry, right? Because I want it now and I have to wait. And there's people in front of me. And they don't talk nice to me. And, and it's me, 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 I, I, I. And, and, so, and so then there's, there's anger. But love is, not, love is not easily angered. All right, now I'm done stepping on people's toes. I'm finished. Right? Isn't that why we get upset with, with our family members, with our church members? Why we get, why we get angry is what James 4 says. The, the reason there's fighting and quarreling among you it's just so plain. James 4, the reason there's fighting and quarreling among you is because you want something and you don't get it. Because we want it and we, and we don't get it, but that's, that is not love. Love is not easily angered. Should I skip this one? It keeps no record of wrongs. Do you guys want that one in there or, or should we take it out? Who said take it out? Take it out. We'll take it out. It keeps no record of wrongs. No, we can't take it out. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's, that's forgiveness right there. Love, love forgives. Right? Love doesn't bring up uh, the, uh, you know, the, the mess up that you did 15 years ago. You, know, it doesn't, you remember when you said this? It, it, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love uh, forgives and chooses to remember uh, no more. Right? This, is, this is real True, authentic love. Here, look at this one, verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love, love has no pleasure in wickedness. Love has no pleasure in evil. Love, love rejoices with the truth. Love desires what is, what is right and, and, and just and, and true. And, 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 we'll, and because of love, evil will have to be opposed and truth will have to be proclaimed because, because love delights in the truth and doesn't delight in evil, which, which is, you know, you may think, well, maybe we could do without that one. But we can't, right? We can't do without it because of love. You know, there's like a weird verse in Proverbs where where, where at one time he says, uh, he says, like in, in the verse before it, I can't, think of, I can't think of where it is at the minute, at the moment, but he says this, he says, uh, he says, don't, don't correct a fool in his folly, or you will be like him also. And then he says, correct a fool in his folly, or, or he'll just continue on his foolish way. And so there's this point in time where, where you you don't discipline because you know, you know what, it's hopeless there. But there's another point in time where you've, where you've got to discipline and you've got to correct out of love. Otherwise, the fool will continue to be the fool. 
Right? Isn't it isn't that as parents? Isn't it out of love that we discipline? Mostly. Mostly out of love that we discipline. I mean, I mean, sometimes I do out of just a desire for quiet in the house. I'll admit, right? Just just a little peace and quiet in the house. I'm just, but most of the time, it's it's out of love. That's where discipline comes from. It's, it's we see evil, we see wickedness, but we know the life-giving power of the truth, so we've got to oppose what is destructive. We've got to oppose what destroys, right? So uh, there are things in our children like lying and, 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 and envy and, you know, uh, um, you know, anger and unforgiveness and and disrespect uh, that that we've got that we know are not going to be life-giving for them that's going to cause trouble and harm to them and so we've got to discipline them because we love them isn't that what god says that he does for us that he disciplines those he loves as a father disciplines the children that he delights in that when God is standing in our way, that when he is correcting us, that when he's saying, hey, this is wrong, don't do that. It's, it's, not, it's not because he doesn't love us. It's because he does love us. You see, you see, like one of the main deceptive things in our world is that this has gotten flip-flopped. It's, it's that if we, if we oppose evil, then we're not loving. But that's not true. To oppose evil, to not oppose evil, means I'm not loving. If if I know the path you're going down will will end in your destruction, it is not loving for me to just say, hey, yeah, go ahead. It is loving for me to say, hey, I love you. Let me stand in your way. This, This will not be good for you. This will harm you and destroy you, and not only you, but others around you. This this is evil, it's wicked, it's it's wrong, it's destructive, and because I love you, I oppose it. That, that That is true, authentic love. But but when we do that as believers in Christ, and we are called of God to do it, we must do it. Like as a pastor, right? Someday I've got to stand before God and be held accountable. That's what First Timothy, Second Timothy three four says. That that in view of this, Timothy, that someday you'll stand before God, preach the word. As a pastor, it is not loving for me to not preach the word of God if the word of God will bring abundant life to you. It is, it is to say, well, that's going to offend them and, and hurt their feelings. And, but if it offends and, and hurts, but, it's, but it leads to life and that more abundantly, then it would be wrong of me to not do it. it it's wrong of me to not discipline my son, to just sit back and be a willing party to his destruction. That's Proverbs. It says that I, I can't do that. I've got to stand in his way. Right? I, it even goes down to my dog, right? I know, I know, like I, I kind of love my dog, you know, as much as you can love a dog, you know, you, don't you, you love, you, you know what I'm saying, you know, if you've got a, any kind of a heart within you at all, you know what I'm saying, no, <laughs> if your heart's been touched by Christ at all, you know, yeah. you know so, 
he doesn't know to stay out of the road. Right? So I'm disciplining him to keep him out of the road really because I love my kids. And I don't want him to run on the road and get hit and then my kids would kick me out of the house. If kids can kick you out of the house, they might would kick me out of the house. We discipline and we oppose because, because we love love. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love recognizes the truth and, and proclaims the truth and rejoices with the truth and tries to share the truth with everyone because the truth sets us free. So, so I can't out of, I cannot out of love applaud and approve of what is evil and wicked and destructive. I, I must lovingly oppose it. And then, the, and then it says, says this. This is, this is powerful. It says it, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love, love doesn't ever give up. Love's going to go the distance. Right? It, it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Right? So, so it, it brings this word always into the equation to help us to know that we don't fall into it and fall out of it. That it is always there. That I decide that I'm going to love and, and, and love always, it always, it always, it always. And, and then verse 8 says this amazing thing. This is so powerful. It says, it says, love never fails. Isn't that good? It doesn't, say, it doesn't say love most of the time succeeds or, you know, hardly ever fails. It's powerful. It, it, it's clear. It says love never fails. It never, ever does. So if you, if you take real, true, authentic love and you throw it into your marriage, that never fails. You throw it into your parenting, that never fails. You, you, you throw it into your church family, that never fails. You throw it into to our divided, hurting, hateful culture. It, it never, ever fails. Man, we, we need right now true, authentic love back in the family, back in the church, back in our America. I, I don't want to fight with the people I disagree with. I want to throw some love into it because love Never fails. Love never, ever fails. So, so whenever you choose to be patient, whenever you choose to be kind, whenever you choose to delight in the truth, whenever you choose to not be easily angered, whenever you choose to, to, to take a wrong and wipe it out and throw it away and keep no record of it, whenever you choose humility, Instead of pride, whenever you choose giving, instead of envy, whenever you choose kindness, instead of harm, that never, ever, 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 ever fails. It's not ever the wrong choice. You know, say, you know what? I'd forgive, but I just don't feel like it's the right thing. No, 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 you're wrong. Forgiveness doesn't ever fail. Forgiveness is the right choice. Choice, you know, you know, I, I, I just don't know 
you know, I don't know if kindness is the right thing here. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Love never, ever fails. You know what? I think right here I want to be prideful and I want to be angry and I want to hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness. No, those things fail. Those things destroy. Love never fails. When you choose love, you have, I just reminded myself of my dad, you have chosen success. My dad does that, doesn't he? When you choose, choose love, you have chosen success. You have chosen the path that will not fail. We need to love. We're called to love. We know what love is because the Bible tells us what it is. Because the Bible tells us so. And we need love in our family. We need it in the church. We need it in our America. You know what's happening in our culture? You know, that like, like this might be right at the core, right at the root of what's happening in our culture. That, that's, that's, that means the family and the church, everything. Is that we are, we are running God out of our lives. And when you run God out of your life, you run love out of your life. If, if, if you don't want God and you want distance from Him, then you have just distanced yourself from love. Right? Because what does 1 John 4 say? It says that who's love? Who is it? God is love. And why can we love? We can love because God first loved us. So when we, when we separate ourselves from God, when we don't want God in our family, when we don't want God in our church, when we don't want God in our culture, if we don't want God in America, then not only do we run out God, but we run out love. And if we run out love, then what comes? Failure. Failure in our relationships. Failure in our marriages. Failure in our parenting. Failure in our church. Failure in, in reaching the lost. Failure everywhere because, because where love never fails, if there's not love, there's failure everywhere. And, and, and we see this happening in our culture. We're, we want to run out God. Out goes God, out goes love. When, when love goes out the window, then, then you know what you need. You've got to have, you've got to have law and punishment. If, if there's not love, then there must be law and punishment, or we will destroy and devour one another. Right? You know, as a believer, why I don't steal from my neighbor. It's not, it's not because the law tells me not to. Or, and, and, and that I'll be locked up in prison. I don't steal from my neighbor because I, because I love my neighbor. And love doesn't steal. Love gives. But if love goes out the window, then, then we will devour and destroy one another. That's you know, Galatians 5. 
unless law and punishment come, come into the picture. And then there's got to be law that says, no, you can't steal from your neighbor or you'll be locked up. And so, so we don't steal from our neighbor because, not because of love, but we don't steal from our neighbor because, because of selfishness, because we don't want to be imprisoned for our actions. So, so the more you run out God, the more you run out love, the more law and punishment that there has to be that comes in and takes its place. Otherwise, we steal, we kill, we devour, we fight, we destroy one another. But, but none of that, none of that has to be if we will be lovers of God and let the love of God come to us transform us and flow through us. The key, to, the key to living a life of love is to recognize that God is love. And the reason that I love is because I know God. You, you, I guess you could play that, you know, that change the, the, the spelling of the, of the words game on this one as well. You know, you, you know the bumper sticker, you know, no Jesus, and no Jesus, you know, no peace, no peace, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace, K-N-O-W, peace. If you don't know Jesus, then you won't know peace. If you do know Jesus, then you will know peace. I, I think you could do this with, with love as well, that if, that if there's no God, no God, there's no love. But if you know God, K-N-O-W, God, then you will know true, authentic, real love and that will never, ever, ever fail. It will bring people together in life-giving, life-transforming, beautiful relationships that we need and that we desire. Let's pray together. Lord, this wonderful Valentine's Day, thank you that it landed on Sunday, maybe, maybe just the time we needed it to. Thank you that because of it, we've been reminded of how you love us. And we've been reminded of the, of the true love that is found in you, that love that never fails. Lord, I pray that you would just stir within your people who are called by your name. That you'd stir us up to, to recognize that we, as the people of God, are to be people of love. If God is love, then his people should be love. His people should be loving people. Lord, I pray that you would help us, as your people, to love people, to love them for real, to love them in the true love that you have given to us and that you have identified for us, that you have taught us, and that you have modeled for us. Help us to love our, our husbands and our wives and our children. Help us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to love the lost, Lord. And have the courage in love to stand in their way but to love them, that they might come to know you. 
Help us to obey the, the one commandment that you've given us to love one another as you have loved us. And in doing so, the, the world will know that we are your disciples, that when we do, you will be proclaimed and honored and glorified because of our love for one another. And, and, and they will come to know you because we truly love one another. And Lord, help us on this day to truly love you, to fall in love with you more and more, to know your love more and more, have to have it coming to us in, in, in abundant measures and transforming us and, and flowing out of us in abundant measures as well. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just... I just want you to know this morning, all of you here, all of you listening, all of you watching online, I want you to know today that, that Jesus loves you. This I know. One of the main reasons for the Bible tells me so. That He, that he loved you so much that He went to the cross and died for your sins that you might be transformed that you might be forgiven, that you might enter into his love and be forever, ever standing in the abundant life that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. All he asks is that you would believe in him, that you would receive him, that, that you would accept him, that, you would, that you'd enter into relationship with him. And if you would do that this morning, you're going to find the most beautiful life-giving relationship that you could ever have imagined. I just want to pray with you. I ask that you just, just pray with me. Just repeat after me. We'll pray together. Those of us who are here, all of you who are watching or, or listening, pray with me and just make Jesus the love of your life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me, that you died for me, that you've forgiven me. And Jesus, I receive your love your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my life to be my Savior, be my Lord. I declare today that you, Lord Jesus, are my forever passion. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, God bless you. Have a great Valentine's Day. Uh, I love you. Uh, God loves you. Go and love others. God bless.